top of the morning to you, Four Oaks. It is Pastor Paul. It is Friday morning. What is it now? February 4th, 2022. Hope you're doing well. So glad that you have joined us. We take 10, 15 minutes every weekday morning to unpack a portion of God's word. And we're running concurrently with our sermon series through the book of Romans that we've been preaching through on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks. We've been taking some, some time during the week between those sermons to unpack maybe portions of the text that we preached on uh, that we didn't get a chance to really dive into as deep as we wanted to the week prior. So, so that's what we're doing. And for this past Sunday, you know, Pastor Scott preached on Psalm 1 because um, I was out being sick and all that. And so we thought, hey, this week would be a good time to sort of consolidate our gains. It would be a good time to review where we have been in the book of Romans up to this point. We're rapidly approaching the halfway point in the book of Romans. And we said, hey, let's let's do some review. Let's 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 not lose the the big picture for the sake of being in the text each and every week. Let's remember why Paul's writing, what he's writing for, what his aim is, and let's let's kind of rehearse some of the the themes that he's covered up to this point. So that's what we're doing. And so just for these last four days, we've been walking through uh, Romans 1 through 4. And we've seen, first of all, how the gospel was the animating reality and truth of Paul's life. We talked about Tuesday how this idea of the good news only makes sense in relationship to the bad news. And that it is both Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, young and old, um, who all stand equally condemned under the just wrath of God because of our sin. And being religious uh, doesn't gain you any favor. Being irreligious doesn't gain, gain you any disfavor. All of us are sort of in the same boat. Well, then Romans 3, as we, as we saw on Wednesday, talks about this decisive move of God where he doesn't wait for us to take the first step towards him, he doesn't wait for us to try to rectify the wrongs that we've made. In fact, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ moved towards us. God sent his son, Jesus, to be the mediator, to be the propitiation, to be the sacrifice of atonement, to bring us back into relationship with him. And then yesterday, um, in Romans 4, we looked at how um, God has designed faith to be the instrument that unites our hearts with his gift of grace. And Paul uses this beautiful picture of, of, of Abraham and Sarah and their barrenness and their, not, their inability to have children on their own, biological children. God says this, in fact, is the, is the, is the plight of every sinner. We, we, we have no life. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. The only way that we can be brought from death to life is for God to do a supernatural work of grace in our hearts, to bring us to life, to speak life into our dead bodies, our dead souls, our dead bones. And, and just as God brought life to Sarah's womb, okay, through her relationship with Abraham and the, and the, the child of promise Isaac, that's a picture of salvation for us. Okay, now we get to Romans chapter five, and this will be our last bit of review before picking up this Sunday back in Romans chapter six. Paul wants to tell us again how salvation 
works. Um, how is it possible, okay, that the death of one man, Jesus Christ, how is it possible that through the death of one man, life could be brought to so many? How is that spiritual equation possible? And the way that Paul wants us to think about this is to understand how God deals with his people covenantally, how he deals with them um, in terms of representation. And, and we, we're all familiar with this idea of a representative republic or representative government, meaning we elect people to act on our behalf. Um, we, we put forward people to, to vote for us. We put forward those to, to, to act in our place as our proxy. And in essence, this is what Adam, the first man, was created to do. He was created to, to act and live in our place. He was our representative. He was our federal head, to use a, to use a, a, a theological term. Adam was acting on our behalf. And when Adam made that ill-fated decision along with Eve to seek um, independence from God, um, to chart his own course in his own way, um, he didn't just plunge himself and Eve into ruin. In fact, he plunged all of humanity into ruin. And so now um, we are born into sin. Um, we certainly sin by choice, okay? We, we, we certainly sin by personal responsibility and, and, and such, but we also sin because it's our nature. Um, that nature, um, like an hereditary illness or disease um, had, that's passed genetically, that's our spiritual condition. All of us were born into sin because of Adam acting um, on our behalf. Now, obviously, Paul anticipates that our very human and, and natural, understandable response to hearing that piece of news is, well, Pastor Paul, that's not very fair, right? Nothing I did um, would seem to, to make me deserve to, to be ushered into sin just because somebody acted on my behalf. I didn't even know this person. I wasn't even aware of them. I did not have a relationship with them. This happened outside of my control. And, and on one hand, that's true. But I think the reason Paul wants to give this illustration of Adam to help us understand how sin works um, is that he, wants, he, he also wants us to understand how because of Jesus, how salvation works, right? So while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Before the foundations of the world, um, he died for us. We were holy and blameless, chosen in him before the foundation of the world. So here we have the situation where regardless of um, the reasons why people think we are or are not in the condition that we're in, there is no, there is no question we know we are hopelessly lost. We know we are sinful. We know we are broken. We know there's nothing we can do to fix ourselves. And the gospel is this, is this amazing news that Jesus came and by the singular actions of one person acted on our behalf. He lived the perfect life we couldn't live. He died a sacrificial death in our place. He was raised to newness of life. And all of this was done 
on for us because we were united with him in his death and in his resurrection. So as much as we might want to protest that we didn't deserve, quote unquote, sin, all right, now Paul's turning the tables on us and say, but don't you see that you didn't deserve salvation either? And Jesus has brought bought this for you through his perfect gift of salvation and death on the cross. And so this, um, I think, opens up all sorts of vistas for us to think about um, how this idea of representation or federalism works just even in our own personal lives, right? All of us are called to be um, leaders or representatives or to act on the behalf of others, all right? Parents do it for their children. Husbands do it for their wives. Bosses do it for their employees. Spiritual leaders do it for the people in their churches. Uh, community group leaders do it for people in their group. Bible study leaders do it for people in their Bible studies. Um, teachers do it for their students. Principals for their teachers. On and on and on. This is the way society is ordered. And what we want to be able to do, and Paul, I think Paul is pressing us to do, is to recognize this is God's good design. This is the way God has has made things. And instead of pushing against that, what we want to do is lean into it and say, God, how, how would you have me as someone who acts on behalf of others? How would you want me to lead? How would you want me to love? How would you want me to serve? And that's ultimately to be patterned after the gospel where Jesus led on our behalf. He loved on our behalf. He served on our behalf. So that I think in essence is what Romans 5 is all about. Now here, we're gonna find out this Sunday, Paul begins now to turn our attention to how then shall we live? Knowing that Jesus has done this on our behalf, what does this mean to pattern our lives after him? To look to him, to follow him, to to obey him. How does how does the gift of faith begin to flesh itself out in the context of our lives? And so this coming Sunday, we're going to be looking at the immutable spiritual law of salvation. And we hope you're there for us. But for these times, these devotionals, we'll be back here on Monday morning, same time, same station. Hope to see you then. Let's pray. Lord, um, thanks for uh, renewing our hearts and reminding us of these um, amazing places we've been this year in our study through the book of Romans. And we pray now, Father, that you would continue to give us this um, indelible appetite for reading, absorbing, hearing, understanding, and applying your word. Or we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus.